Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Friday. We're halfway home on a Friday. Maybe you haven't left to, to head home yet, but uh, when you do, I, sometimes we just tell you this on Friday. Just go. Just clock out. Go home. Heck, just just go. We give you – you can tweet us, and we'll tweet back at you, and, and we'll just tell you that it's fine that we gave you permission to leave because it's a football weekend. you got to get to a high school game mm. tonight. you got a college to the game. college game. Tomorrow. Titans in New York on Sunday. By the way, there's a bunch of dudes that aren't going to play um, if you were listening yesterday, I told you, I had somebody who said, hey, man, Julio's not playing this week. Well, Julio's not playing this week. He's been <laughs> you, you had your source. I had somebody tell me, hey, man. It's in Atlanta. Hey, man. All the way there, they had to tell you. Guy said, hey, man. What's going on in Tennessee? Julio's not playing this week. Well, guess what? Vrabel ruled him out today. Julio is not playing no, this no, week. No, 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 what, what did he say about next week then? He said he didn't know if he would be healthy next week either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. I, I did not solicit this information. This information was offered to me. Take it as you will. But the guy has, if there's two things he said, he's at least half right because he was right about this week. So we'll see about next week too. It's, uh, it's a Hall of Fame receiver and A.J. Brown, who is uh, the best receiver the Titans have drafted uh, in years. He will not play. Bud Dupree it was the big money free agent pass rusher who didn't play last week after dressing out. They just ruled him out this week. Caleb Farley, who's your first-round draft pick, he is not going to play this week. Rick Kern, who did something this week to something, and he will not play this week. So say hello to Johnny Townsend if you see him. He's the Titans punter. What a fantastic game show host name Johnny Townsend is. And uh, Big Merch, Laurel Murchison, also ruled out this week. Ferkser is not ruled out, so you get Ferkser back. Also, Josh Reynolds, who played 11 plays against Seattle, he will be Another back place? this week. Oh, uh, and I, oh, I'm glad you brought his name up. It just reminded me. Oh no, this why I don't, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't need to go to practice. I can watch the videos from everybody tweeting out. I don't know who tweeted it out, but it showed him doing individuals because that's all you see anyway, right? Right. Him and Marcus Johnson doing videos. I mean, doing drills and individuals. And in the video, this is what I saw with Josh Reynolds. I'm gonna give him my observation. Long legged. Probably good straight line speed. The drill that they were doing, it was a tight deal where they're trying to work on planting and coming out of their breaks. He did not come out of his breaks very well. Now, some guys are not drill guys. Mm-hmm. I, I could say that. I, I was I, I worked out with Dale Carter. He was like, I don't do drills. I'm just a baller. <laughs> okay? I'm, I'm cool with that. But in this drill... He just didn't look explosive out of out of his break. Now, it's a short window, so when you're a long-legged guy, it's hard to do that. So that is probably a weakness. But he didn't do the what, drill as well as Marcus Johnson, yeah. put it that way. He was sticking his foot in the ground and boom! Where Marcus, I mean, uh, Josh was kind of, boom, stick the foot in the ground, uh, boom. Yeah, totally different. So I, I don't, I hope that he's fully healthy. Uh, and that was just a drilled thing, but uh, I'm hoping he has a good day because I think this is an opportunity he's kind of been waiting for. Yep. Uh, and now he could kind of be, you know, you know, one B, one A, or you know, cute, you know, wide receiver two, or whatever it may be. It's gonna be opportunities. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Marcus Johnson, they will make a decision on him tomorrow. He practiced this week. He's been on IR. They have 21 days before they have to say anything, yay or nay. But. Uh, he, I guess, did well enough this week that they're going to make a decision mm-hmm. on him tomorrow. And that's another guy, Blaine. Opportunity. Marcus Johnson's got a heck of an opportunity here. Yeah, he's finally healthy, and he's kind of had some tough breaks along his career. 
you know, you, you hear anybody talk about him that's covered him, said, man, every time he does really well, then something, he gets injured. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're moved on, and then that opportunity is not there for him. And that's why he's kind of bounced around. But, man, he, he's a quality player, so I'm interested to see him playing a live game, see him be productive and, and get some, you know, catches and targets and see what he does. Yeah, me too. We're always cheering for guys like that. Absolutely. Uh, Mark Spain, Real Estate Hotline. We're talking at the end of the last hour about halftime shows. Uh, David checked in from Nashville. Brian from Nashville. David was first. David will get you. Brian Hold will get right to you. Uh, but uh, on the heels of the announcement of who would play the halftime this year, which is like a who's who of hip-hop, but we were talking about different uh, halftime shows over the years. Uh, David and Brian wanted to talk about those. David, thanks for calling. Hello? Yeah, David, you're up. What's going on? Yeah, uh, I've got a good one, but it would never happen. Alice Cooper would be a great one. We'll be on a great show, and he still has a great band and rocks as much as ever did. David, I could not agree with you more. Al- Alice Cooper is, as some of you may know, like school's out or whatever, if you're not a big fan. He puts, but like he cuts his own head off or pretends to in every one of his concerts. I think it would terrify the youth of America. <laughs> but oh my gosh, Alice Cooper's band, some of them are based out of Nashville. His band is incredible. You're about doing it for halftime? Yeah. Oh. I mean, he would have like the you stadium on me. fire and blood running down the aisles. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the really? most family for Oh gosh, yes. Oh. He's he's the ultimate shocker, rocker. Like you leave there and you have questions about your existence. <laughs> they should guy. do that one year, just like Alice Cooper and Ozzy Osbourne well, or something. I met him like the first week that I worked here, literally seven years ago. He played, then came over here and played at a club, and somebody arranged for me to meet him. And I shook his hand, and I couldn't let go of his hand. It was so soft, and I was looking into his eyes, and they were like, Alice is Mickey. He's a sports talk guy. I was like, hey, man. He's like, hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm Alice. I was like, I'm Mickey. And I, and I realized, like, I haven't let go of his hand. It was one of those awkward things. And he was like, okay, keeping it moving. But I shook his hand forever. I looked into his eyes. I said, I could see the future. It was magical in there. <laughs> I, just got, I got completely lost. I'm sure he still has a restraining order against me. It was magical, dude. That guy, magical. I saw things. Like, I understood things. Colors were more vivid. Water seemed wetter. Like, it was weird after I met him. Huh. That's never happened to me before. It was. You need to hey, meet has Alice Has that Cooper. ever happened to you before, Lucas? Oh, he, he, I think he if I met Tom Petty, that would happen to me. But that well, might be we, the only that person. That would require a seance at this point. Yes, unfortunately. unfortunately. Uh, Brian in Nashville up next. Hey, Brian, what's going on? And I was just uh, listening to y'all's show. I listen just about every day when I can, and I always enjoy it. But uh, y'all were talking about Prince and him telling the promoter that can you make it rain harder. Uh, what a character. A good friend of mine down in Marshall, Texas, is a tremendous blues uh, guitarist and player and all, and him and Prince were buddies. And I'm thinking probably about 2001, three, somewhere in that neighborhood. Prince calls him at home at like 1 in the morning, wakes Wes up, and uh, he said, yeah, what's going on, man? I want to jam. He said, where are you at? I'm in Minnesota, man. He said, well, uh, what's, what, what dates you got? No, man, I need you to get up. My plane, my, his private jet, he had sent to Dallas. The West is about an hour and a half from Dallas, so he has to drive to Dallas, get on the plane. Flies up to Minnesota, goes to Prince's, starts working on some studio stuff at Prince's studio and jamming and playing guitars and working on some songs and innovating and all. <laughs> He said around daylight, Prince said, man, I'm a little bit hungry. You, I said, yeah, I ain't ate since last night. So they go to some local neighborhood restaurant for breakfast. And about 6.37 o'clock in the morning, they finish up, and as they're walking out 
Prince runs into a guy from his old neighborhood, classmate or whatever, not seen each other in 25 years, and they're catching up. And here's the kicker. The guy asks Prince where he's living at now. And Prince tells him, he said he unbuttoned two buttons on his shirt and pulled his shirt over to the left side and pointed at his heart. Continuously, he says, I live inside my heart, man. That's where I live is inside my heart. Ryan, never stop calling this show. It's <laughs> like amazing. call with more of this. Uh, I I got nothing to say. That was like me with Alice. Well, well only I only heard was it in my own half heart. Of that was in Alice's speaker eyes. Went out, but uh, <laughs> I have to hold it now. Could we please have someone come in here and fix these uh, headphone uh, extensions that uh, we plug up to listen to because it goes out and I have to hold it now. <laughs> All right, Blaine is holding it. We're going to try, <laughs> try to get it fixed. We got Dave Matter. He's the beat writer for Mizzou next. <laughs> Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Lots of talk today about the uh, halftime show. And uh, Fran tweeted. The Blade and Mickey account and said Prince, absolutely the greatest halftime performance of all time. Dave Matter joins us now. Bruno Mars. He covers the Missouri Tigers. Uh, Missouri beat for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So, Dave, I'll I'll start with a non-Tennessee Tigers, Tennessee versus Missouri question. Uh, Your favorite all-time halftime performance at the Super Bowl? At the Super Bowl, I'm I'm a a Bruce Springsteen fanatic, and I didn't love his halftime show, but – I've got to go with that. I mean, there's there's no other there's no second place for me. I got you. <laughs> Prince was really good though too. I, I'll say Prince was second place. I'll uh, go with him. Fair enough. Uh, you know, anybody who would say, "Can you make it rain harder?" That was the greatest Prince quote of many. <laughs> All right, here's. Yeah, here's I'm my... going Bruno Mars Day, man. Just to let you know, man. I, you know, I've been fair enough. To... Fair enough. Yeah, he's pretty gay. All right, here's number two. Uh, people who listen to the show, they know that I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. They know mentally and emotionally how anguished I was, really, up until about 21 or two days ago. What in the world came over those guys? Because they went from, what, 2.8% chance of making the playoffs to sipping some champagne a couple of nights ago. It, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, that team just, like, had no life at all. They were just kind of skating by. They could not beat any good teams. That was kind of the MO. They just they were, they were not – they were barely competitive against the better teams in the National League. And then they just kind of out of nowhere. I mean, I, I think a big part of it was just the outfield start hitting. Um, Tyler O'Neill, like all of a sudden turned into like an all-star Harrison Bader was great. Dylan Carlson. And then the, the two stalwarts Goldschmidt and Arnado were, were just fantastic down the stretch. So it was, it was pretty remarkable. I bet people in St. Louis are just losing their minds right now. I know I've been losing mine here. I, uh, Mike Shannon, obviously his career coming to an end. I actually sat in the car in my driveway the other night, and listened to KMOX just so I could hear his voice. You know, that soothing Mike Shannon voice that I grew up with, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's such an exciting time for Cardinals fans. All right, you mentioned the Cardinals finally started to beat better teams. So let me ask you about this. This is such an interesting matchup. It's such a big game. We have Doug Matthews on our show, who was a longtime Tennessee assistant, and he said games like this are interesting in the SEC. He said you have to win these games where you're evenly matched. He said especially when you're at a place like, he mentioned Tennessee, Missouri, he said these are games that you can't lose. This is a game that both of these coaches and programs really desperately need to win. Absolutely. I mean, because if, if you lose this game, either team, then you look at the schedule. And I know coaches and players 
don't do this as much as fans and media, but then you start looking at the schedule and you're like, all right, who are we going to beat? Like, like nobody, I don't think any team in the SEC, maybe, maybe Vanderbilt, maybe a team that's really struggling or a rebuild like South Carolina, maybe they go into it saying, gosh, a bowl game would be really great this year. But I think Missouri's past that point. I know Tennessee's rebuilding with the new staff, but as a program, I think they're kind of past that point of saying, Hey, can't wait to get to Shreveport. But when you're two and two and you've got everything ahead of them that they have, you know, still having to play Georgia and Florida in Missouri's case and, and the schedule of Tennessee's got ahead of them, you start looking and you're like, okay, I guess now we're going to have to upset some people if we don't win this game. So that, that's why this one is so huge for, for both teams. Dave Matter, our guest, Mizzou beat writer St. Louis post-dispatch. Well, Dave, I guess for me, uh, I'm wondering where the team is uh, mentally after that, uh, I guess, uh, overtime loss to BC. Yeah, I, I, the word they kind of use this week is they're really hungry because they've been so close in both of their losses, both seven-point losses. The offense had the ball at the end of the game, and, and they feel like they just kind of ran out of time. Now, Connor like throws an interception in overtime, but, um, you know, that game just a couple minutes earlier, they kicked a game-tying 56-yard field goal to send it in overtime, and all the momentum was on their side. They really felt great about their chance at that point. Um, Kentucky, you know, they were just kind of hanging around, hanging around, and then, um, you know, they made a little bit of a run late. They were, and neither game were they ever out of it. Uh, they just didn't have enough to ever get in front. Uh, so that's different than, you know, just getting blown off the field and feeling like you have no shot. So I, I think there's more frustration than anything that they just haven't been able to finish. And also, this is a team right now that's pretty good on offense and just really bad on defense. So that that's the team, the kind of team where you worry, okay, if this if this trend keeps up, does do they start the finger pointing and all that? But to, so far, I don't, I haven't sensed any of that. And Drinkwitz was really careful and really, um, you know, particular to step in and say that's that's not the case here. It's just a team that hasn't learned how to finish yet. Yeah, what were Drinkowitz, uh, I guess, uh, statements about Massachusetts and then not really delivering it, I think. How, how was that perceived, the quotes about playing B.C. and all of that? Yeah, it was. It kind of got a little bit, um, you know, thrown out of proportion. I, I had asked the question, actually, if, if really not about playing at B.C., but if that's the kind of caliber non-conference game that he likes just to get, you know, test yourself against, you know, a, a, a team from another power conference that's, you know, decent expected to be okay and he just kind of made the point well you know it doesn't really help us in recruiting to go up and play in boston the great state of massachusetts and it came off a little bit like a jab at boston college he as all coaches do they look at everything through the lens of recruiting and that's really what he meant by that but um bc to their credit they kind of i think they kind of used his motivation a little bit like it was a jab at their program and um, I don't, I don't think he meant it in that way, but you know, you take anything you can get when it comes to bulletin board material or, or things like that, that unfold during the week. Actually, we're on with, uh, Dave Matter, uh, Missouri athletics writer for the St. Louis post dispatch. And, uh, I guess what's going on with the run defense there, uh, and Wilkson crew, <laughs> are they still a work in progress or is he more a pro coach and maybe not a college coach? We know the games are different. Yeah, I, I think it's been maybe a tougher transition than anybody would have thought. You know, he's been in the NFL for you know the last 15 years, and he hasn't been on a college campus in a long time. The college game has changed a lot. Um, but I think this might be more personnel-related. You know, they're just not very good on the defensive line. They're getting blown off the ball repeatedly. 
their linebackers, they're putting so much pressure on those linebackers to make stops, and they're they're just not that good. Um, you know, they bring in a transfer from Rice, Blaze Aldridge. At times, he's made some plays. He's been effective as a pass rusher, but you know, he also kind of looks undersized sometimes. And, and like a lot of those guys on the defense, has been pushed around a little bit. So they're not winning those one-on-one battles on the line of scrimmage. Uh, their defensive tackle is a little bit undersized. Defensive ends aren't really getting home very much. And, you know, I, I think they could be a pretty good pass rush team. You know, Wilkes really likes to blitz a lot, but they're just not putting themselves in position to ever really be in third and long or second long or anything like that. So it all starts against the rush, and they've, they've got to figure it out. It's You know, there's no – they can't go and sign a free agent D-tackle or anything like that. They've got to get it done with what they have, and so far they haven't. Well, they can go into the portal, but not this season, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the free agent for college. Uh, we went with Dave Matter, a Missouri Athletics writer for St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I guess one more for me, and that is, what was it like covering Hypo when he was down there as the OC? I guess what he was there two years? Because Drinkowitz may yeah. ask you some questions, Mindy. Has he asked you some recruiting, I mean, uh, you know, scouting uh, questions about what, how to stop that offense? <laughs> well, the, the, the thing with Josh is, like, nobody really seems, in the media seems to know him very well. He's very guarded and a really nice guy, a uh, super uh, friendly but he, when he was at Missouri, it was very clear he was there to put up yards, put up points, and turn that into a head coaching job. And to his credit, that's just what happened. You know, he gets the UCF job and then turns that into the Tennessee job. But he, he was not one for small talk. He was not one for, you know, personal conversations. We had pretty good access to him, talked to him at least once a week. Um, but he was there to talk ball, to talk shop. And even then, he didn't really share a whole lot. You know, I, he did a, a marvelous job at Missouri they, he took over an offense that was the worst in the country in 2015 for a lot of reasons, but they just couldn't score. And instantly, they were scoring 30 points a game. Now, they, they didn't beat good teams that first year. They got on a little bit of a run his second year, but it was like an instant makeover. So he knows offense. There's no doubt about it. His system was a little gimmicky at times, sure, but the, the MO of that team was they were explosive enough to beat the bad teams, to beat the average teams. And, you know, that's that's half the battle in college football. So he, I think he did a, a really nice job at Missouri, and we'll see if he can do the same thing as a head coach at Tennessee. What's, what defenses seem to give him trouble? And I'm not talking about the elite teams, but, I mean, teams just like, oh, man, dang, they, 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 you know, what, what style of defense really got after his, his style of offense? Um, you know, when teams got physical with the receivers – you know, I, I think when the all that spacing, uh, when teams tackle really well, um, you know, when, when you could stop the run for them and force them to pass and make them a little more predictable. Mm. Uh, and, you know, just when you, you know, he had Drew Locke for his two years at Missouri right. and, and Drew ended up, you know, setting a bunch of records in the SEC and went on to the NFL. We know all that. And I, I just think when, when you frustrated and confused him a little bit, um, you know, that, that gave him some issues, but, you know, Drew didn't have, he didn't have NFL receivers at Missouri. He didn't really have NFL backs, um, didn't have, you know, NFL talent around him at all, but they still put up a ton of yards and points. And I think so much of that was just a Josh's system. Mm. Well, with, uh, Dave Matter, uh, Missouri athletics writer for the St. Louis post-dispatch, uh, Dave, the Tigers sure have a good running back, a guy who came actually out of the state of Tennessee, Tyler Beatty. Um, I bet he would really, really, really like to have a big game against Tennessee, and I, I saw that he even got made a captain for this game. Yeah, they always have one extra game day captain, and it, some, it seems like they kind of do it sometimes with somebody who has some kind of connection to the team they're playing. and Not in like a you know mean-spirited way or anything, but just maybe a little extra motivation. He's a, He's had a really good start to the season. He's a guy that's 
waited his turn to be the number one back. He was behind Larry Roundtree for the last three years, and, and Larry is you know, doing his thing with the L.A. Chargers right now. Um, and Beatty kind of patiently waited his turn, and now he's got it. He's a lead back. He's doing a whole lot of stuff. I mean, he's a he's a really dangerous receiver. He's proven that he can carry a heavy workload at running back. He added about 20, 25 pounds this offseason, just, I think, to prove to the coaches that he was more than just a, a scat back type running back. Um, he's been he's been really impressive so far. We'll see if he can do it against the Vols, but um, you know I, I think he is he's off to a great year, no doubt. Connor Bazelak, uh, an interesting quarterback. If you look at the stats, they've got like nine guys with a hundred yards receiving, I think, and six or seven guys who've who've gotten a touchdown. He's done a really good job of spreading the wealth around. Yeah, part of that's you know by design. Drinkwitz says all the time that the, the play doesn't matter, doesn't care who makes it. Um, so it's it's very much by design that you know the defense can't really key on one guy. And and part of that too is they don't they don't have like an obvious NFL receiver out there. You know, if, if they had Calvin Johnson, I think he'd probably have ten catches a game. But <laughs> they don't really have a guy like that. So Connor's pretty sharp. He makes pretty good decisions. Uh, you know, he had the two picks last week at, at BC. But other than that, he's uh, he's really good at taking the check down you know he doesn't get too cocky with trying to chuck it deep all the time um he just steadily moves the chains he's really poised uh the guys he's one of those Drinkwood says all the time he's one of those like low heart rate guys he's good in the two minute drill if you if you get in that situation at the end of the half um you know he's not super athletic or mobile you won't see him run around too much at all but he doesn't really have to. They've protected him pretty well, and he gets rid of the ball fast. So he's a he's a really solid quarterback. I I think he's a guy that's really motivated to have a good game because he, you know, it was his throw that ended the game in overtime last week, and and I know that really weighed on him at the time. Got Dave Matter on with us at Dave underscore Matter on Twitter, Missouri beat writer for the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Yeah, Dave. Uh, I guess give us an injury update to maybe some key players, or are there any? Yeah, Mookie Cooper, Missouri slot receiver. He's a transfer from Ohio State, a St. Louis kid who they had really high expectations for. He hurt his foot in camp, and he tried to gut through it. He's been, you know, kind of a semi-starter, has been out there for snaps, and just hasn't done much. So they're going to sit him this game uh, and let him, let that rest. Um, you know, they, they're out one of their D tackles. Darius Robinson's been out for a couple weeks. I don't know if that's a big factor. I mean, it's not exactly a position of strength for Missouri right now. Um, and they've, they've – the right guard, Case Cook, team captain, has been out the last couple games with an injury, but I, I think he may be back tomorrow. So not a, a bunch of huge losses. They've got a couple guys that might be kind of game-time decisions. I think for the most part, they're they're in good shape. What's the fan expectation uh, here? Are you going to have a good crowd? Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, especially the student body, is happy to get back to some of these games in the SEC. Yeah, I think so. You know, Missouri, their schedule, their home schedule, wasn't great to start off with as far as the drawing you know, outside of the big natural core that comes to every game. They open with Central Michigan, then head Southeast Missouri State. So, yes, first SEC home game. Uh, we'll see what kind of crowd they draw. I mean, there's Missouri's kind of fighting this stigma where they've, they've, they've got some bandwagon fans. And, you know, when you lose one game on the road, it's like, okay, well, now that just cost you a couple thousand that aren't going to show up. So mm. we'll see. Um, the numbers haven't been great. This has been going on for a couple of years now. It's a big challenge for the new AD, uh, Desiree Reed-Francois, who just took the job a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we'll see. I, you know, I think the Vols will bring some fans. You know, it's 60,000 as the capacity at Memorial Stadium. I don't think they'll get close to that. But I, I'd expect in the in the low 50s. Mm. 
I'm always curious on, Dave, uh, what's considered a successful season in football or expectations uh, for the Missouri Tigers? Well, it's interesting. You know, in the Gary Pinkle years, um, fans got accustomed to winning, you know, a lot of games. And they, they went to, uh, you know, they're number one in the country for a week in 2007, went to the Big 12 championship game in a couple couple years in a row. And then all of a, they're playing New Year's Day bowl games. And then all of a sudden, you know, they won – I think they won 10 games in 2010 and fans were kind of like, ah, well, just 10, you know, that's not that exciting. So I think fans got a little spoiled because Gary was so consistently successful. Um, and then, you know, you go to the Barry Odom years and he was just kind of a 500 coach and they were going to some mid-tier bowl games. Now this fan base is, is excited about Drinkwitz. He's recruiting at a higher level than any Missouri coach ever has. If you, if you put stock into the recruiting rankings, um, but I, I think fans expect to win now and, you know, not necessarily win championships because they understand, you know, what the, the hierarchy is in the SEC right now. Um, but, but more than just go six and six and play in the independence bowl. I mean, that, the expectations are higher than that. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's something that they're kind of fighting right now. They're, they, there's some in the fan base that, Hey, prove to me, you can win on a, on a high level and then we'll show up and support the team. Well, that doesn't really work in the SEC. You need fans to invest and buy in when you're on the ground floor. So that's a little bit of the challenge to build a fan base in a in a in a state that, frankly, is a is a pro professional sports state with the teams in Kansas City, the teams in St. Louis. So uh, it's a bit of a challenge right now. So we'll we'll see if if Drinkwitz is the guy to do it. You're on with Dave Matter, a Missouri Athletics writer for St. Louis Post Dispatch. Dave, it's interesting. Um... I was there. I was actually an associate AD at Arkansas State, and we came up and, and played you guys. Uh, Dorial Green Beckham was still a receiver. He had a couple touchdowns mm-hmm. that day. I, I, it was 20, uh, 12 or 13. It was 2013 is when it was. And there were cranes in the air. There was stuff going on. There's still stuff getting built there. They're spending some money at Missouri, sure seems like. Yeah, they really are. You know that uh, I believe Eli was on that staff in, in 2013, if I'm not, if I'm not wrong, on that Arkansas State staff in that game. But um, was. but he yeah, was. <laughs> uh, they they really are. They they built a hundred million dollar South End Zone complex. It's it's the football team facility, locker rooms, all that. It's state of the art. It's really nice. It's now in the it's attached to the south part of the stadium. Uh, just yesterday, they approved the naming rights for a new 33 million dollar indoor practice facility that's going to open in about a year and a half that they raised money for. Um, and that was something that Drinkwitz really wanted before he even took the job. And he said, I, I know Mizzou, I know we need a, a indoor practice facility if I'm going to take this job. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they've been, they've been able to do that. They did a nice job raising money for that just to, you know, they need to get this place on par with the rest of the league. And, you know, Missouri's not going to be able to compete financially with, um, with Alabama or with Texas A&M or places like that. They're a little more traditional, have bigger fan bases and more money, but they realized when they joined the league and this was, and Gary Pinkle was really the most outspoken leader of this saying, Hey, his saying all the time was if we don't have cranes going up all over the place, then we're not doing something right because you need to just keep building, keep building to keep up with everybody. So I will say Missouri's done a nice job of it. Yes, sir. Uh, one final one. I, I know you've been on this beat for a minute, I'm just real curious to get your thoughts. When Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, somebody comes to you and says, tell me the best way to align this new SEC. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's I think it's good for Missouri, and I think it would be good for Arkansas to somehow get them with 
with those two teams. I mean, because there's a natural connection with Arkansas and Texas. Yep. There is a natural connection with, with Oklahoma and Missouri. It's very one-sided, but they they played each other all the time from like 1920 to the, to the 2010s. And that is one thing that Missouri's kind of lacking in this league is, is natural rivalries, mm-hmm. just, um, you know, more familiar opponents. And I, I think if you can just – you've got to make this league a little bit more regional that makes sense. I mean, Missouri playing in the East, playing Florida and South Carolina every year, you know, not playing the, the closer schools in, in Mississippi and in Texas, uh, even LSU, you know, once every seven years. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I, I think you've got to do something to make those teams on the West side um, including the new guys from the Big 12, put them together. I, th- I think that I think it would be good for Missouri just to have that familiarity because that's one thing you ask fans, especially in sports outside of football, like basketball. Gosh, you know, Missouri fans just can't get up for games against a Tuesday night game against South Carolina like they would, you know, a Tuesday night home game against Oklahoma where you're familiar with that team, with that opponent, even Texas. So, um, you know, if they just do it 8-8, eight and eight, but make sure it makes sense geographically. I think that would be the best. Common sense platform with Commissioner Dave Matter right there. <laughs> hey, Dave, uh, good stuff, man. And uh, you've been with, on with us before. We always love catching up with you. At Dave underscore Matter for uh, all those SEC fans who like to keep up with other teams. You are the guy to follow. Missouri beat, uh, Mizzou beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Thanks, thanks, buddy, and uh, enjoy the game okay. Saturday. All right. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Dave Matter right there. Uh, when we come back, it's time for us to call our shot. Vol fans, I, I think I think Tennessee can win this game on Saturday. You feeling froggy? Uh, Mark Spain Real Estate Outline's open. Call your shot, 615-737-1045. You can hit us in the Zone TV chat. You can tweet us at Blaine and Mickey. We will call ours, but uh, Titans fans, how you feeling? A bunch of guys are out. We will also, if you're just joining the show, a bunch of guys are out, and we'll tell you who all will miss the game for the Titans. That and call your shot next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, going round and round and round uh, with you guys. Appreciate you so much hanging out with us. Hmm. The call our shot. Yeah. We do this every Friday, uh, courtesy of our friends. And let me get this information. At Chattanooga Whiskey, available at your favorite Nashville retail store. Drink Chattanooga Whiskey. Enjoy responsibly. Maybe enjoy some this weekend if you are so inclined. Lucas Panzica is uh, running the controls. Lucas, do you care? You got your shot yet? Call your shot. I got one. It's a little more specific. Uh, I'll credit Alan Bell, too, who I saw all over this, and I really like it. I'm going to go with uh, Arkansas and Georgia, the under. Got it at 48 and a half. Little banged up. JT Daniels is a little banged up. He has a lat injury. He'll probably play. I don't think he'll be 100%. Really run-heavy game. I think a lot of clock will be bled off. I'm not saying Arkansas is going to pull off the upset. I don't even know if they're going to cover. But I think under, I got it at 48 and a half. But under on Arkansas-Georgia is uh, intriguing to me. Spoken by a true gambler. I was going to say, dude, that's, under. you sound like a shark. We, we, we're yeah. win, wins or losses here, man. I'm right. not on that like level. Who's going to beat who? And you're in there giving it an under. That's my shot. Yeah, your shot. Hey, you, you called it. Well, that's why I have my mask on. And not because we have to wear it when we get out of here. But because... I don't want my my uh, mic to blow up after I say this, and that is. Let me move away from the window. Here. Lane Kiffin takes down Bama. Yes, oh, they win. He knows the recipe to get old Nick's hair to stand up on his head, and he's gonna do a cartwheel and a backflip 
after he wins this one. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think Lane's defense is better this season, and they almost snuck away with a win last time. It was a shootout. I'm going to say almost, but it was close. So this year, I'm saying old Lane going to get him. He's going to get the, the master, old Nick Saban. Ooh, boy, he will be lit if that happens. And I want to see that. Because he, he'll stress out like Urban Meyer at that point. <laughs> Alabama, 14 and a half point favorite oh, uh, right. in at least one place that I'm looking. 14 and a half. Uh, Georgia and Arkansas, one. Lucas. Georgia is a 17, 17 and a half, half point favorite over Arkansas. I think it's gone down then. Last time I saw it was around 18 and a half, 19. Yeah, that's the latest. Uh, just just looking at the schedule on the ESPN app. So uh, there could be uh, some some sites, obviously, that are offering it uh, at a different different amount right now. But uh, two pretty big spreads. What you got? What this, you got? Who, who's Arkansas State have this week? Arkansas State has... Um, oh, you don't know? Well, I can tell you who Ball State while you look Oh, Georgia it. Southern. Oh, 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 Georgia Southern? They got, they, did they fire their coach? Fired their coach. Oh, well, they, maybe they can get them on the down, but they can usually they rally once the coach, you know, at least that first game. Yeah, we, we at BSU have uh, Army. Oh, y'all are going to play Army, huh? Yeah, at home. That's not good. I think I wish we could do what UT did and just cancel. <laughs> well, you got money, you can buy your way out of a game. Yeah, but uh, when you're back or something, you're like, oh, gonna... no, we'll just play you. Come on down. Man, them dudes, man. Oh, they like bricks when you hit them. Well, I did not like playing Army or Navy. It's like the object is I'm on defenses to avoid me. They would come right at you. Like, nope. No, they're going to make it a long yeah, day for Matter you. of fact, I'm going to just put it on a limb. I'm going to say this. When we played Army and Navy, I felt like that was the hardest dudes to tackle that I ever played against, ever, even in the pros. Wow. Yeah, they were that hard. I mean, man, I felt like, whoa, dude, that hurt my whole entire body. <laughs> yeah, Army 4-0 and rolling into uh, Ball State yeah, this yeah, weekend. Yeah, I think they're favored, too, by, by a little bit. <laughs> they are favored by nine. Ooh. Nine on the road. That That's not terrible. I mean, that's, <laughs> you're, you're going to be fine. Well, I'm going to just say this. My squad did not lose the Army or Navy. Okay, here you go. This is uh, this we play is both of them too. These are stats that you only see from the service academies, and I and I love those run offenses. I, I like watching their games. I think <laughs> I, I've thought for years. Yeah, I think Vandy should do that. Yeah, you think Vandy? This is this is what Army does total offense wise: four hundred and fifteen yards a game through four games. How many rushing? Three forty-four and a half. Oh, they only pass for like a hundred yards. Seventy and a half yards. That's what they throw it for, Dang. and that's only just like, eh. We gotta oh, okay. keep you off balance a little right, bit. Right, just a teeny bit. We'll throw. That's that's literally. It's probably like a hot key or something where he looks and goes, "Okay, I'm just, I'm gonna tap my helmet, and turn and throw it to my one guy who goes." What do you, out for what a do you pass. call that offense? They run triple option. Yeah, you know what they did for us at practice this is years ago. I remember to a T. Because all I did was play man-to-man. They did practice without the scout team, the scout team that was being Army. No football. You didn't know where the ball was at when they ran their plays. That's what we did. Did you just have to tackle everybody? Well, I was the corner. They just said, you get that guy. (laughs) So I'm glad I didn't have to go through all those reads. I just, you get that guy, Blaine. You got him. There's going to be 10 guys real close to the ball. There's an NFL guy. guy. If you can't stop the Army guy, then you're not the NFL guy we thought you were. Army guy ever catch a pass on you? Uh, I do not recall. Okay, that's a no. Then. No, okay. yeah, no, he did right. not. No, okay. I don't recall them catching a pass on me. <laughs> did they throw a pass? 
Oh, I'm sure they threw okay. some passes, right. but they, they didn't throw it. I don't think they threw it my way. If it did, it was like way out of bounds. Well, uh, <laughs> God bless them, man. They are doing uh, work of uh, keeping us all fat and happy in the world that we live for in. Sure, so, for uh, sure. Yeah, man, salute to Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. If you're at the Academy, if you're active or veteran we love you man thank you yes we do uh call my shot titans six and a half point favorites at the jets don't turn the ball over and get some turnovers Mm -hmm. i i thought they would beat the colts and it would be close i think they just beat the jets it's a six and i think they cover i think they beat them i think they go and play mistake-free football and i know no aj and no julio that's because i told you he wasn't playing AJ, Julio, Bud, Caleb Farley, Brett Kern, Murchison. Those guys are all ruled out. But Tannehill's playing good football. Derrick Henry's still there. The O-line is still there. Uh, the defense is, is playing well. They're getting pressure. I think the Titans defensive line can get pressure for the interior of the Jets line. The Jets line's beat up. Mm-hmm. I like the Titans to go and cover and uh, this thing not be tense in the fourth quarter. Oh, so you're saying Titans by 10. Titans by at least six and three quarters. (laughs) We got to go. Apparently, it's a very special 3HL coming up next. So Uh you do not want to go anywhere. What is Sleigh Ride and Ramon? Ramon! That's next. Have a great. That's going to be the tallest crew I've ever seen here on air, man. I can't wait to watch this. But as always, be careful because the mic is hot, right? Because that's what they always say. The mic is hot. But we always stay careful in here. So have a good weekend and be safe, everybody. And what, Mickey? As always, peace! peace.